Today on the Wired Homeschool, I have a very special guest with me. It's my wife, Lisa, and we're going to be talking about homeschooling after COVID-19. That's coming up on the Wired Homeschool. Hello and welcome to the Wired Homeschool. I'm your host, John Wilkerson, bringing you tech, tools, and tips for homeschooling the digital generation. And as I said, today I have my wife, Lisa, with me. Hello. And we are going to be talking about homeschooling. Well, probably mostly she is going to be talking about homeschooling after COVID-19. But first, I wanted to ask you, what's it been like homeschooling during a pandemic? To tell you the truth, our life didn't really change all that much. A lot of what we normally do could continue right along. I did feel pretty bad for people who were all of a sudden thrust into homeschooling and really didn't have an idea of how to go about that. But the one thing that really did impact us is not being able to go out and get together with friends. I think people have an idea of homeschooling as staying home a lot. And it seems like we never really had a day when we all stayed home because of the so many different activities that my kids are involved in that we would go and get together with friends. And that is really important because that social piece that's automatically there for them when they're in public school or even in private school is not automatic for homeschoolers. So it's a big difference. And it's an effort that you have to make to get your kids together with other kids. And so that was that was hard for all of us to really be home as much as people thought we used to be. But we found ways to entertain ourselves. I think the kids grew a little bit closer and um, found activities to do. After the first week or week and a half, I made, I started making lists for them. And at the top, I wrote, what do I do all day? And wrote down all kinds of sort of brainstormed ideas for them that they, that I would allow them to do with their free time. Part of what, part of which was investigating things on the internet that maybe they weren't able to do before. We've always been pretty restrictive with our kids about using the internet, and so I put researching educational topics on their miscellaneous list of things to do, and that was with a sibling watching or a mom or a dad watching that they could just investigate things that they would like to learn about. Sort of free play on the internet, but it wasn't really play. It was really looking up interesting things on good kids' search sites like ducksters.com is a big one that we use. The Wikipedia that's specifically for kids, they like to browse around on that. It was a matter of coming up with some new and different activities, but our actual homeschooling didn't really change that much. We kind of had that in place. So we saw a lot of parents that were having to adjust to homeschooling and for the most part, those parents were doing school at home and dealing with how the public school system implemented a virtual or an at-home program. And some of those parents might be thinking, I don't ever want to do this again. And others might be thinking, I think I can do this homeschooling thing. I liked having my kids home. They learned better. So we want to discuss this after COVID session here. Kids are off from school now, so to speak. It's summer break, and parents are 
they're probably even going to be challenged now because camps aren't going to be open and things like that. And after all this is over, they're going to want to do homeschooling, some of them. So what would be your primary piece of advice that you would give a mother, a father, parents who are considering pulling their kids completely out of school and homeschooling now? I was talking to a neighbor who had her kids in public school, and she said they were really struggling with the virtual nature of things. Their teachers did not actually do video classes for the kids. They just sent them work to do, work on paper, things they had to read and write the answers for, and that kind of thing. And her kids were really struggling. If that was you, and you were trying to do what the school was telling you to do, I would hope that maybe through that experience, you would say to yourself, I think I could do this better. And that's what I want to say to people is, you can probably do it better than the public school. If your thought process is, now we have to have 35 minutes of history, and then we have to have 35 minutes of science, and then we have to have 35 minutes of math, and each one of these things involve papers and pencils and dull and boring answer the questions at the end. We've never really done our homeschooling that way. A little bit here and there. I mean, they do do math lessons out of a math textbook kind of thing. But I would encourage you to consider more of a lifestyle of learning that, sure, you want to hit most subjects, most days, but the time that you spend delving into things that the kids find interesting, the time that you spend investigating things. I'm forever calling the kids over to the computer and going, you guys, look, look what I just found. And because I'm interested and excited about it, they get interested and excited about it. And if it happens to be a sciencey kind of topic that I found, and we sit there and look at it together for 15 or 20 minutes, that can be part of their science time for the day. It doesn't have to be in a textbook with a quiz at the end. It can be talking and investigating, and and then it comes up again later in the week. Hey, remember how we saw blah, blah, blah? Well, now we just heard about this other thing on Jeopardy or whatever. The kids make connections because you're there with them or because a couple of them are working together and because the topic was made a little more interesting to them than just read chapter four and answer the questions. So a lifestyle of homeschooling can be a really different experience for you and for your family than trying to do what the public school does, just do it in your house. And that's, I kind of feel like that's a little bit of a recipe for disaster because you're probably not an expert in every subject that those kids have to learn. I'm certainly not. John's certainly not. We each have our things that we're good at, but we kind of learn along with the kids. And yeah, sometimes we use textbooks to give us structure, but I run our homeschool, not the textbooks. So there's a lot of flexibility and there's a lot of things that you would do in sort of throughout your day with your kids that can count as homeschooling. 
it just looks different than 35 minutes per subject. There are probably a lot of parents that are going to reach out to homeschooling groups, ask them for advice on how to get started, how they should, what curriculum they should use, what subjects should they cover. We recognize the value in curriculum that many companies put out there, whether they're secular companies or Christian companies. We recognize the value in that. But what would you say to those parents who are, they're going to go talk to someone in a homeschool group and they're going to say to them, oh, this is the curriculum that you need for your child. That is so very true. And every homeschooling parent that you ask will tell you about a different one, (laughs) which is the absolute best. The game is for you to ask the questions so you try to determine what fits your kid instead of what fits their kid. I have had people tell me thus and such curriculum is really great because it hardly takes any time for the teacher. The answers are all right there. And some people want that, need that. And some people will say, this curriculum is really great because we can spend a couple hours doing these science activities together and it's so cool. So that's a really different perspective. This one takes hardly any time for the teacher. This one is very teacher intensive, but it's cool. So it depends on your personality. It depends on the personality of the kids. My background is in math education, and boy, oh boy, are those curriculums all over the map um, with regard to how friendly they are for the kids to learn from, how much teacher involvement is necessary. So that can be very different for different subjects, and you kind of have to investigate with that in mind. How much time do you have to put into it? How involved are you going to be? Maybe you just want an online curriculum that your kid sits and does through their subjects. I would hope not. I kind of feel like that might sort of squish any love of learning out of your kid if they have to sit at a computer for four or five hours a day. But it depends on the reality of your life. You know, if that's what you need in order to feel like you have completed the things that that your kids need to do, then that is available. That has never really been our approach, though. There's lots and lots of different curriculum out there. Kathy Duffy has reviews online of a lot of curriculum where she explains differences between things. So that's not a bad place to start. But also just ask a lot of homeschooling parents um, what they use, what they like about it, what they don't like about it. And you'll probably kind of get a feel for what to try with your kids. There's also a whole lot of stuff that's for free online. And we do a fair amount of that. I think a lot of it comes down to style, what style of homeschooling you want to do. There's a lot of different styles out there. You've got your unschoolers and you've got people who only want Christian curriculum. You have people who only want secular curriculum because there's just information that they don't they don't want their kids taught from a religious point of view. And so when it comes down to those styles, that's kind of what makes the difference. Talk a little bit about your style of homeschooling, our style of homeschooling, I guess. My kids, um, we set up kind of a system where the kids know 
what they have to do each day. We are involved in homeschool co-op, so they have a few classes that are taught by other teachers, and those teachers give pretty specific assignments for over the course of the week. We only meet once per week, though. So I do give my kids freedom to complete those assignments kind of as they wish. They know that they have to do, for example, they did a geography class. They know they have to do some geography each day, and they need to finish the week's assignments by Monday because our co-op meets on Tuesdays. But they can do as much of that as they want. It's important to note that we pretty much have all teenagers left that we're homeschooling. So that's going to make a difference on how much freedom and leeway you're going to give to the kids. You're obviously not going to let a six-year-old try and complete assignments all day by themselves because a six-year-old may need help reading the text and may need help understanding what's being presented. So with that being said, go ahead and talk about how how the kids go about their lessons throughout the week. Right. I forgot about the fact that my kids are now getting fairly independent. It's very exciting. <laughs> so while my kids have chore lists daily and they involve some household chores and then they have their school subjects on there, which may or may not have specific things that they have to do. I mean, for example, they'll just say math and each of them knows you know, one has to do three pages in the math book, one has to do one lesson each day, that kind of thing. And when they need help, they come and ask me. Or if it's a new topic, then I might present that to them, you know, one-on-one -on -one for 15 or 20 minutes, and then they go and do the rest of the lesson and practice and do the review and that kind of thing. But uh, ultimately, the goal is to get them so that they are learning from the book, in particular with math, I want them to be able to read a math textbook and learn a new skill or algorithm without it having to be sort of spoon-fed and every part of it explained to them. So that one is a little bit different. The other things might be, I seem to recall putting on their chore list something like geography research, where they could look up something interesting and, and for one week they did, you know, f each day find something interesting about a European country. And the next week was find something interesting about an African country. So um, when they get to the point where they can do some independent research, it can be open-ended. And it's surprising what they will choose to spend time on. I happened upon my 17-year-old in his room listening to his phone and I said, are you still listening to music? And he said, no, actually, I'm listening to this fascinating podcast about jellyfish. <laughs> it was so neat. It was kind of like homeschooling at its finest, you know. But you see, that wasn't in a science book. And that wasn't in his assignment. He just happened upon it and thought it was cool. And in this idea of a lifestyle of learning, that kid was doing science and learning about a science topic just because he wanted to, which is another goal, to have them want to, to have them and have the tools to explore things that take their fancy. So each subject looks a little different. 
The two or three of their subjects will be their co-op assignments. Two or three will be specific things that I'm having them do. Uh, and some are somewhat open-ended so that they can investigate things themselves. When they're little, I would give them choices of writing assignments to do over the course of the week. One day you have to write a note to grandma. One day you have to write a thank you note to so-and-so. One day you have to write a poem to give to, you know, someone we know. And and they were open-ended just so that they could enjoy writing and have fun with it. And art in particular is something that I always encourage them to do in order to give away, to give to family members, to give to neighbors, to mail off to a pen pal, that kind of thing. Part of what I try to do is find interesting things for them to do instead of just assignment after assignment. But again, that depends on your style and your kid's style. Some kids really want very specific things. And when they're little, um, they might be very specific things. I would encourage you to consider things that you might not by nature count as schooling, but they do because we're not trying to school our kids like a verb to homeschool them. We are trying to educate them. And it's a much broader, broader term. We as adults educate ourselves about things that we find interesting. And all those things that your kid finds interesting are part of their education. So homeschooling, I feel like, is much broader than just what they do in school. One of the things that's really fascinated me about all the kids is how we've allowed them to pursue interests, things that interest them. And so we have a daughter who likes to write poetry and is interested in photography right now. Um, we have a daughter who has been teaching herself how to write uh, music compositions for movies and and uh, scores. We have a son who has been kind of looking around and trying to figure out what he's interested in because he can't really decide what he's interested in. And all of these things are, are, are fine. And we don't have a specific curriculum that we use. We use uh, kind of this hodgepodge of books and online resources and allowing them to pursue themselves, pursue their own interests. And that might sound really daunting to someone who's had their kids in school for seven or eight years. And now they're thinking about homeschooling and they don't know where to start. They feel like they need a, a list of textbooks. So what are some online resources that you would recommend to parents that they could use to quell their fears of not being able to find the information that they need to educate their children? Well, here's the thing, at least uh, here in New York, and I think it's probably this part at least is similar in other states. When it says you have to teach your kid history, it doesn't say exactly which history topics you have to teach them. So that means you have a lot of choice 
If your kid is going into fifth grade, you don't have to find a fifth grade history curriculum. You can be teaching them whatever history you want to in whatever manner you want to. So it can be daunting if you're thinking about specifics. But if you're thinking about in general, what you need to be covering is, let's say, math, language arts, science, and history. Those are your four core subjects. There's art and music and health and phys ed, and those are all kind of secondary in my mind. Those are things that are much more, you can be much more relaxed about and find various alternatives. Those are things that are great to get together with other homeschoolers to do in a relaxed sort of atmosphere. The four cores, you're thinking, maybe looking for a curriculum or at least a plan of what you're going to cover. So again, if you're, if you're looking for a specific curriculum, you can look at Kathy Duffy's materials and she will tell you a lot about different ones. Some of the things that we've used online, there's an outfit called The Teaching Company and they have tons and tons of classes that are called The Great Courses. Those are designed for adults, but to my mind, middle school and up can learn quite a bit from watching them or listening to them. Most of the courses can be done either by video or audio, and you can get a, you can pay a monthly subscription and watch any of them that you want, or you can pay for the individual courses. Now, these courses don't generally have worksheets or tests. So let's say you're looking for history for your ninth grader. You might go to the Great Courses website, look at history, and sit there and look at some of the descriptions with your ninth grader. Which one of these would you like to study this year or this semester or these next 10 weeks? Read through the descriptions and have them choose. And then they can watch the videos and maybe take a few notes each time they watch one. They take a few notes of things that they found interesting. And then at the end of the week, they go over their notes with you and tell you about what they found interesting. You'd be amazed at what you as a parent will learn, what they will tell you about. And there doesn't have to be tests or quizzes if you are comfortable with what I want my kid to learn about history is the general ideas of things that happened and not necessarily I'm going to memorize dull and boring facts and dates and that kind of thing. Again, it depends on your personality, their personality, but it's great if their learning can be rich like that. And they, if they especially if they watch videos and they have images in their heads to go with the events. Another great website that we use is Khan Academy. There's all kinds of stuff on there, science and math, and there's even some history. I wish there was a lot more history um, because I do like the way that he presents those things, but it's a jumping off point kind of. But again, lots and lots of topics that you might let your kid choose what kinds of things they might want to watch on there. You don't have to worry about the content or the language, or it's always very clean and kind of straightforward. Sometimes the different presenters can be more or less engaging. So 
sometimes we look for things that are by a certain by a certain presenter, but of course the huge majority of it is by Sal Khan. So you know what you're going to get there. Please make sure your kids really, really memorize their multiplication facts. <laughs> and my favorite game for that is called Multiflyer. It's free, it's online, and it's a lot more memorizing facts than it is just play, 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 play. All of my kids have used that, and they use it for refresher too, when they start to slow down on their math facts. We certainly use YouTube. You can learn nearly anything on YouTube, but that one does take some parental oversight for sure. But you know what is really helpful on YouTube is when your kid is learning something in their textbook and you're not really sure of the topic, then late in the evening when they're in bed, you look it up on YouTube and you watch and you figure out what it is you're supposed to be learning <laughs> so that you can explain it to them the next day and then they think you're an expert on everything. So there's definitely times that I've gone to look. We taught physics this past year and my goodness, that was many years ago for me. So I needed refreshers on that to keep up with my boys doing physics. There were some really great things going on online during the quarantining that educational programs that were put on specifically for kids that were home and that are continuing in in some form or other. Um, for example, we watched Mark Rober, that's his name. The um, He had science demos and he did it, I think, every day for a week or two weeks or something. Every day at four o'clock, there was Mark Rober science demos. And he did very fun topics that would really take the kids' interest. Of course, one of the, he always starts with a question, like a good scientist. And one of the questions was, does a human being weigh more or less after passing gas? Now, I bet most parents can't actually answer that question. I couldn't answer the question. So, of course, the kids really wanted to know. Lots of silly things like along the lines of Mythbusters, you know, but presented a little more educationally. There was a there were things from the Cincinnati Zoo that each day they would introduce you to a different animal at the zoo and the caretakers would teach about them and show videos of them and so that was a neat thing. There were uh, people reading books for little kids that they would read books in a real engaging way. And certainly to keep up with some of those would be fun if they were things that your kids enjoyed then. You know, the kids, especially younger kids, don't have to know this is part of school. It can just be, this is kind of a fun time that we sit and let's have popcorn and listen to a story sort of thing you know it's school, and you're sort of counting it as school time. But they don't know or care. Uh, there was a webcam on a giraffe that was going to have a baby giraffe, and every day we would check it and see what was happening with the mama giraffe. Maybe those are things that you do with your kids outside of a regular school day, um, but maybe they're not. So those can certainly count. When you do those things with your kids, you are homeschooling, whether you thought of that or not. For art, there's a website called Deep Space Sparkle that is a very inspiring art teacher. She has some free things up there, or you can do a membership to get access to more things. Same thing for Art for Kids Hub, it's called. They have drawing lessons that are really engaging and doable for any age. 
it's a, a dad and he draws with his kids and he shows them step by step. And many ages of my kids enjoyed that for a long time. There again, some of it is free, some of it is membership, but it's, but it's really reasonably priced. And then for your older kids, the great courses have art classes. There's one, I'm not sure the exact name, but it's something like how to understand and appreciate great art. So if you want to give your kids credit for an art appreciation class, there it is. They watch the videos, they talk to you about what they learned, they take a few notes. That kind of learning will stick with them, especially with the visual, of course, for art. That helps a lot. Well, I recently discovered a woman who puts up Cub Scout activities, and they're generally science activities that she's done with her Cub Scout group. And of course, she's tried it out with the kids, so she only makes the videos after she knows that the activities successfully work, which is an important one. You'll discover that when you talk to other homeschoolers. Do the science activities in the curriculum actually work when you try them? <laughs> because we've had some that do and some that don't. There's, there really are a lot of, even if you just Google free homeschooling resources for art or for history or that sort of thing, you'll happen upon the, I mentioned Ducksters. Um, Ducksters.com is a great one for looking up historical stuff and it's not presented with 17 paragraphs of information. You know, it's three or four. It's kind of bite size for younger kids and gets their attention and gives them the basic facts of the matter. A couple of our favorite books, um, I just, I love to, to mention these books because math-wise, a couple of my kids have really enjoyed, we, when we were a little bit bogged down in a, um, fractions and decimals and percents and pre-algebra topics, I discovered books by Danica McKellar, and her books are, uh, some of them are specifically for pre-algebra and for middle schoolers. One of them is called Math Doesn't Suck, and one of them is called Girls Get Curves. That one's about geometry. And they are math presented like a fun book from the library to read, not like a textbook. And my daughter, who's 20, still remembers some of the techniques that she learned from Math Doesn't Suck. Like when you want to take a fraction and divide it, you push that sucker over. <laughs> and she'll say that when she's working it with a pencil and paper. Push that sucker over and divide this one into that one. Those are just fun books, and I think every kid should read them as they get to that spot. So you've probably got a flood of information, and we're going to make sure that there are links to as much of this as, as we can put over at wiredhomeschool.com slash after COVID. There'll be links there. Do you have any final closing thoughts you want to give to these parents? They're, they're probably looking for a little bit of relief over summer. They're going to get they're, they're going to get that, but they're probably also going to be making a decision here pretty soon about whether or not they want to send their kids back to school or homeschool. So any final thoughts for them when they're considering that and making the decision? I want to tell you that nearly every new homeschooling parent that I've talked to or that uh, asks me for ideas, wants to make sure they're doing enough. I'm not sure I'm doing enough. I'm not sure I'm covering everything that I'm supposed to. And I was advised by a very wise couple, David and Lori Callahan, when my kids were little, 
And what they said to me was, teach them to read and write and teach them math. And anything else that you do above that is enrichment. When, when, especially when the kids were young, if you can teach them to read and write well, then they can learn anything else. And that developed into my uh, philosophy, I guess. We certainly do history and we do science, but those things can be really open. You know, you're an adult, you know which things fit in the topics of history. You know which things fit in the topics of science. For a long time, my kids didn't even know what things fit in what topics. I would just put that together into the quarterly reports that I had to send to the school and tell them what sort of topics we were studying. So you, if you are concerned with that question, am I doing enough? Then the chance is very good that you are doing enough. If you focus on math and language arts to start with and get a sort of a good solid process with those things, the rest will develop. You will find it. Definitely find veteran homeschoolers to talk with, maybe to get you started. Don't be afraid to change from what you picked. If it's not working, there's absolutely no necessity to continue to the bitter end just because you chose a certain book. But it really is doable. You went through school, and you probably learned a lot more once you got out of school that stuck with you because you were doing things that were kind of fun and interesting to you. And so that's the real fun of homeschooling is if you can do some learning with your kids, then it can be fun and interesting to both of you. So I would definitely encourage you to give it a try. It's not a permanent decision. You give it a try, you see if it can work for your personality, your kid's personality. It is a lifestyle choice for most people. If you give it a try and see how you can work it out, every person's homeschooling looks different. And so yours can fit you and your kids. And you make your day what you want it to be. So that at the end of the day, you say, yeah, my kids were really learning today. And it didn't necessarily come from a textbook. Well, there you go, folks. That's about 20 years of homeschooling smashed into about 36 minutes or so, half an hour. Thanks for listening, everyone. I really appreciate it. If you have any questions about homeschooling, please go ahead and send them to wiredhs at gmail.com, or you can send them to feedback at thewiredhomeschool.com. And we will do our best to answer those questions. You could also even post them on Facebook over at facebook.com slash wiredhs. And I'll be happy to address those. One quick thing I did want to mention before closing out the podcast. Make sure you follow me on Instagram where I'll be putting a series of STEM-related videos on IGTV. I'm calling it my summer STEM series, and I'll be giving away free teacher's guides to go with those 
videos, and resources. Well, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking me in your ears. Now let's go out there and get your homeschools wired.